0: The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Let's find our Bibles and turn to the book of Acts and let's stand to our feet. We have broken into Acts chapter 14, which means we're almost halfway through the book of Acts. And we're at message 39 in the book of Acts, and I am so excited about this morning's message and what the Lord is going to teach us this morning. So Acts chapter number 14 and verse number 1, and I want to encourage you, if you received a worship guide on your way in, you can uh, look inside of there. And as the children are dismissed, I want to show you something, children. Children in fourth grade and below, someone got me this week, the, um, the Cotmans got me this week this wonderful little treasure box, and inside are Pastor's Pal on, on coins. And so I want to encourage you to be back tonight, children, uh, to collect your Pastor's Pal coins, and you can be dismissed down to Children's Church, uh, fourth grade and below. Fourth grade and below. And for you parents that don't know what Pastor's Pal is, the kids can collect four or eight and go over to the bookstore and, uh, and spend their tokens on a prize, on a gift, and so there's some things in there that they enjoy having. Are you all at Acts chapter 14? Amen. Amen. Let's read together. Acts chapter 14, verse number one, and it says this, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together, Paul and Barnabas, went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, and so spake "...that a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed." Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news, church? "...but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles, and made their minds evil-affected against the brethren. Long time, therefore, (laughs) abode they, Paul and Barnabas, speaking boldly in the Lord, which gave testimony unto the word of his grace." and granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, and part held with the Jews and part with the apostles. And when there was an assault made, they're talking about an ambush, made both of the Gentiles and also of the Jews with their rulers, to use them despitefully and to stone them, they were aware of it, became aware, someone leaked it, and fled unto Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and unto the region that lieth round about. And there they preached the gospel. Let's read verse 7 together, ready? And there they preached the gospel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, again, uh, a wonderful narrative about how your truth just marches on. And it cannot be stopped. It cannot be canceled. What an amazing uh, story that you've given us. A true story, a narrative, Lord, that will encourage our faith today. And Father, I just pray that right now that you would uh, take the discouraged heart and that you would encourage them uh, with the fact that you're still working not only in the world around us, but in our lives and through our lives. And I pray that you would just uh, motivate our faith, inspire our faith with what you're going to teach us in your word today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. And you may be seated. What is the most powerful thing you can think of in the world today? Perhaps, uh, like uh, like my mind, immediately I go to something explosive. Uh, for you ladies, I don't know what you go to, but guys probably go to fire and explosives and that type of stuff, gasoline and you know, all that type of stuff. But, you know, I think about dynamite. Sometimes when I'm traveling over to West Virginia, I travel through some areas where you can see that they have used some dynamite to, uh, to move a mountain or to, to do some mining and so on and so on. But there's a story that is told uh, of the town of Roseburg, uh, Oregon. Have you ever heard this story? Roseburg, Oregon, August 7th. 1959 was a very fateful day for Roseburg, Oregon. It's been titled the Roseburg uh, Blast. There was a a trucker that came into Roseburg on an evening, on August 7th, and he parked his truck, his his freight truck, in front of a storage uh, warehouse, and he locked the doors, and he uh, checked his load, and he went and got a hotel room. Uh, During the night, uh, a fire broke out in a storehouse and got close to where that truck was. The only problem is on that truck, there was two tons of dynamite along with uh, a lot of ammonia nitrate, uh, over four tons of ammonia nitrate. Well, this guy wakes up and he realizes he's hearing sirens and he looks out his hotel window and he's, he's realizing there's a problem. So he begins to run towards his truck he's going to need to get it out of there even though it's set on the side hey there's explosive here the firemen the police officers did not realize it until too late and so he's running and he's about a quarter block away and the the truck goes bluey all right if you're a, if you're an andy griffith uh, uh, fan all right uh you go bluey okay it just it, it blows and it knocks him i mean it knocks him unconscious it knocked the the radius of, of how how far that that explosion went. Uh, it knocked out windows seven miles away. It created a crater in the in the ground some fifty feet wide and twenty feet deep. It it killed some fourteen people, injured a, uh, another around one hundred and twenty people. People that were in nearby rooms in that in that hotel actually got blown out their windows, and it was an unbelievable explosion. In fact, one police officer uh, he. he he said that it, uh, it, it, they thought that it was some sort of atomic bomb, and, and another pilot that was flying overhead at that point felt, uh, felt uh, that it looked like an A-bomb. There was others that felt like, boy, they, are, uh, were we being attacked by, um, by the Soviet Union. It was a very fateful day. In fact, out of that very explosion, a lot of regulations, right, regulations uh, got put into place, and uh, in in this case, I'm glad those don't happen, Um, that doesn't happen very often, we're thankful for regulations that uh, cause uh, uh, loads like that to be safer. But it was an incredible blast, you think about dynamite, and you think about the fact, it blasted a city for 30 blocks, the city was decimated. Uh, Even this explosion caused many cities across America to look at Roseburg, Oregon and begin to have disaster plans um, because of this disaster that happened on that day, August 7th, 1959. Powerful. Very powerful. But you know, I I keep on going through the book of Acts and I feel like I I hear a repeated theme over and over and over again. The word of God is brought into a city and it proves powerful more powerful than any of the darkness that is, evi- uh, that is evidenced in that city. No, no matter how much stronghold of Satan is in that city, the, God's word breaks through with amazing power. And as I think about the verses that, that bring this to mind, Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul said later on to the Roman church, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The Bible tells us that the word of God is quick and powerful. Now, the word in uh, Romans 1.16 does have the idea of something that is explosive. It's the word from which we get dynamite. But over in Hebrews 4 and verse number 12, when it says it's powerful, it says that the word of God is effective. Effective. Do you believe that the word of God is effective? Effective. When you speak the word of God, do you feel like I got to uh, think about how I can frame this and talk about it? Or do you say, you know, as I speak the word of God, I trust that it will be powerful or effective. I don't have to uh, gl- uh, glam it up. I don't have to uh, make it really exciting. I just have to speak the word of God. It in itself is powerful and effective. I hope you believe that this morning. and I hope that this story, this narrative, will challenge you to realize that that God's word is just as powerful in Kettering, Ohio, and in your neighborhood and on your street and in your family as it was in the city of Iconium, as it was in the Antioch of Pisidia, as it would be in Lystra and Derby and all the other places. The word of God continued to spread in that region, and we find this morning that well, uh, Paul and um, Paul and Barnabas were having to run out of Antioch of Pisidia because of persecution, God led them to it. Opened up another door in this in the city of Iconium which was about 90 miles away so they're having this 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 new opportunity as they got there they didn't waste any time to getting right to the word of God uh, getting right to speaking and preaching in the right places but even there persecution began to rise as the word of God was powerful and effective and you know what happens here the word of God, oftentimes, this is exactly what Satan tries to do. He tries to cancel it out. He tries to silence it. He tries to obliterate it, get it out of town, uh, get it out of the public square. He tries to cancel. But we are going to learn this today, that the word of God cannot be canceled. I want you to walk out of here realizing you, uh, you possess in your hand the most powerful document in all of the world. This past week, we celebrated Johannes Gutenberg's uh, death on, on, on Wednesday is when he died. Many, many years ago, back in 1468. He was the man that God used to uh, design and to invent the printing press. And through, uh, through him and because of him, the, the word of God was published in such an amazing way. Do you know God is still working today? And he's still working through events like that and through inventions like that. Who invented the, the iPhone? Who invented the different tablets that we have the word of God just exploding throughout the world today? That's an amazing thing. God is still working in the world today. Sometimes we think, oh, the Bible's, you know, it's just, it's just back in the Bible that God worked. No! He's working right now. His Word is explosive um, right now. It's powerful right now. It's effective right now. People all across the world can download an app and read the Bible in their language. Many languages that still need it. But the fact is, God's Word is powerful. And just as it is powerful in Iconium, and we'll see this, it's powerful today. We need to believe that it can't be canceled. God's Word continues to spread. God's Word. This, this book that was finished in eighty, ninety. Continues to spread today. What an amazing thing that we get to be a part of. I want you to notice as they came into Iconium, the very first thing they did, they didn't, uh, they didn't kind of hunker down. You know, let we we just got uh, ran out of town in Antioch of Pisidia. Let's rest. No, they went right to the synagogue, and I want you to notice something that they went right to the darkness. They went right to the darkness. Darkness is anywhere the savior is not yet accepted. There's some darkness in your extended family. There might be some darkness within your family because there's, there's not yet been the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's darkness all across our city. There's darkness in your workplace. They went right to the darkness. The Bible says in John 12 and verse 46, I am come, Jesus speaking, into a light into the world that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness. You know, anywhere Jesus is not yet Hailed as Lord and is not yet accepted as the Savior. Do you realize there is darkness? Where is the darkness around you? And they went right to the darkness. Notice they went to the darkness with purpose. Verse 1. They went with purpose. They went both together. They went into Iconium. Went right to the darkness. Notice this Iconium. Is uh, you can't, you can't find the ruins today, they say it's it, 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 they've not been able to excavate it. Um, it's modern day Kanya, uh, located in uh, modern day Turkey. And this, this place was a city that had a bit of a Jewish gathering, but a very large um, gentile uh, population. And so, uh, as they've come into the city, they went to, the, to what is called the synagogue where the Jewish people would meet together and they would have their Sabbath day together and uh, not, not believing in the Lord, not believing in the Messiah, but they would gather together on the Sabbath day. And so what Paul and Barnabas did, they went together as a pair. Notice that they went together as a team, just like you and I get the to team together in the work of the Lord and even as we have uh, once a month right now, we get to go out as grace goes and go out into our community. We get to team together. And it's what an exciting thing that we get to do together and sharing the gospel. And I want to encourage you to team together. They teamed and paired together, and they went right into the synagogue. You say, uh, is that the normal thing to do? That's what they did every time they came in a, uh, into a city. If there was a synagogue, they went right into the synagogue, right into the middle of darkness, religious darkness. This was a place of religion. This was a place where, where they gathered together and they went through the form of godliness, but they denied power thereof. The Bible talks to us in Romans 10, Paul's heart being borne out, Brethren, my heart's desire... And prayer to God for Israel is this, that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal. Do you know there there are many in the world that have a zeal for religious things? But notice what Paul says, but not according to knowledge. Not according to knowledge. Why? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Can you have righteousness on your own? No. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. The only way to have righteousness is not by works. Not by your good works and your self-effort. They're ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And so as they gathered in that synagogue, they were all about, look at me. I kept the Ten Commandments. I did good deeds this, this week. I should be accepted of God. And they thought in their own minds they could be good enough for God. And Paul said unto the Romans, I, my, my heart is so very burdened for the Jewish nation as a whole because they're just going about in empty religious practice trying to be good enough for God. And Jesus is the only way to have righteousness through his shed blood at the cross, and through accepting him as your personal savior, he is the only way. And it goes on in verse number four, Romans ten four. This is a great verse. Think about the words. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Christ is the end of the law. It's the conclusion of the law. It's not by keeping all these, um, these commandments. It's not by self-effort. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness righteousness to everyone that believeth. It's always been through Jesus Christ. It's always been by faith in God that a man is made righteous. And so his heart was burdened. And where did they go? Right to the synagogue. Right to the midst of it. They didn't go where everyone would agree with them. They went right to the middle of the darkness. Religious darkness. And they shined the light of Christ. Listen, we oftentimes put our candle on a, on a on a under a bushel. We put it inside the church house. And we were bold about the Lord Jesus Christ inside the church house. Where the light needs to shine this week is in the middle of the darkness where people have not yet accepted Jesus Christ your light needs a shine there let's take a cue from them where can we go this week and bring light into the darkness they went there with purpose they went there to preach the word and notice they went there with power the Bible says there in verse number one and so spake say that with me and so spake that what happened What was the consequence of their speaking? What was the consequence of them standing up and speaking? And by the way, this this was a a custom in that day that they were able to stand up and have the floor in that meeting. So they knew that if they went to the synagogue, the the master or the leader of the synagogue was going to say, hey, guys, do you have anything to say? Well, actually, I do. Wouldn't that be a wonderful opportunity? Praise the Lord. And they, they gathered, and as they spake, As Paul stood up and spake, a great multitude, both of Jews and also the Greeks, believed. Believed. Praise the Lord. Do you realize what that is telling us? When the word of God is spoken, and when it is spoken with the power of God, things happen. The word of God with the power of God is, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse number 4, in my speech, and my preaching, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, well, this is where I get off, and I imagine you get off sometimes. We, we get so locked into how I say it and how clever I am in the presentation of the Word of God. Now, we need to be we need to constantly be working and be ready to give an answer to every man that, that asks a reason. But the fact of the matter is, Paul said it's not by man's wisdom and with enticing words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, think about that. So really, in reality, the most important thing for me as I would preach the word is to make sure that I am more in tune with the Holy Spirit than trying to, to come up with my clever logic and my clever ways of, of putting things. And that's exactly what you need to do. Listen, as you go out into a store tomorrow, as you go out and talk to your family... Dear Holy Spirit, would you please fill me? Give me your strength to communicate your word with power. I need your power. I need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He goes on that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The most important thing as we are here gathered around the word of God today is that it's not my words persuading you, but you know you've had a meeting with with God and that he's convinced you about truth, the truth of his word. And you know, you can go a very, 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 very long time on that kind of change. When you change for somebody else, for your family, or for the pastor, or for some other uh, spiritual friend, when you change for them, that'll only last until you get out of their presence. But the fact is, when the Holy Spirit of God convinces you of truth from his word, that lasts. And that's what we want. We want God to be changing our hearts. We want the Holy Spirit to be driving home his word. And the result of their communication was a great multitude. I love this verse. I, I remember memorizing it as a child from Jeremiah 20, uh, 23 and verse number 29. It needs to be one I brush up on. Uh, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Yeah, He was walking into a place that were, they were very, very, Uh, rooted in their unbelief. Yet when he preached the word of God and the power of God was upon that message, they believed. And it wasn't just the Jews or the Gentiles. It was both together uh, uh, from their different backgrounds, from their pagan backgrounds, from their religious backgrounds. They believed the word. Romans 10 and verse 11, for the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on Jesus, on him shall not be ashamed. I love that verse Because it reminds us that when I believe, I'm not going to stand before God and and realize I believed in vain. I will not be ashamed. Verse number 12, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. All that call upon him in faith. Do you realize what is being said here and what is being demonstrated out in the city of Iconium is that from both racial backgrounds, from both ethnic backgrounds, these people were coming to the Lord Jesus Christ it just reminds me again today satan loves to divide down we'll talk about that in a moment but he loves to divide down and he loves to divide the races down do you realize that as believers we ought to be the most non-racist people in the world and sometimes it grieves my heart when we talk about different races in a way that is condescending like we're better than them We are all made in the image of Jesus Christ no matter how much pigmentation is in your skin or how little pigmentation is in your skin. It does not matter. It doesn't matter the way your eyes are shaped. It doesn't matter. We're all made in the image of God. And sometimes believers get off and they'll say some things like, well, it's pretty amazing that that person, because considering their race, did that. That is so racist. And it's wrong. Now, the world cries racist to divide. But I'm just, I'm challenging you. Don't look at the way a person is shaped and made and and colored. It doesn't matter. The fact is, we're all made in the image of Jesus Christ. He died for every person. How we need to be reaching out. And how we need to have a heart for everyone. And that's exactly what's going on here. They were all coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no difference. It cannot get much plainer than that. And though sometimes uh, some wrong accusations are lodged at... Uh, Christians and, 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 and even some accusations of being racist. Listen, I'll tell you, uh, there, is, there is nothing in Scripture that gives us any footing for a heart of racism, any. If you struggle with that, I, I ask you, I, and I, count, I challenge you, get with your God and ask him to forgive you of that sin and go on saying, God, I need your help. I need this purged out of my thinking. This world needs um, believers who are walking in true love to every man. Would you agree with that? Amen. And so they, have, they, are, they are communicating, Jews and Gentiles are coming together in Jesus Christ. Really, God's power made all the difference in that situation. There, there was a lot of religious people in, inside of that synagogue. But it was the power of God that took the word of God and cut through all the darkness in that synagogue. And what an amazing day it was. And so they're in the middle of this darkness, this religious darkness, and yes... Even though people are religious in our world today, many people say, oh yeah, I go to church. But just because someone attends church or just because somebody walks in this building does not mean they're not abiding in darkness. Darkness has to do with what a person has done with the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that day, they're in the middle of the darkness, shining the bright light of the Lord Jesus Christ, lifting them up high. What does Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And there was a great multitude, a great multitude that came to the Lord. But what's Satan going to do? He's going to fight back. I feel like we could apply the same outline to every city throughout the book of Acts. We won't, but it feels like the word of God is preached, there's opposition, and then there's a resolution, all right? And so here we have it. They face the ire, the anger of the disbelieving. Now, I used that word on purpose. I just wasn't looking for a D, okay? They face the, the anger, the rage of the disbelieving. Now, oftentimes, and I mentioned this last time we were together in the book of Acts, sometimes we, we think about unbelief as, you know, I'll just hang out right here in a neutral state until I choose to believe. But the fact of the matter is, the, the action, it is actually an action to disbelieve. It's a choice to not believe. And notice what it goes on here in verse number 2. Notice what happens. Look at it with me. But the unbelieving Jews, say that with me, but the unbelieving Jews... All right, so the, Jesus came to his own and his own received him not, right? And so here we have what is being highlighted is the fact that those that Jesus came to, his chosen nation, Israel being his chosen nation, they, they are rejecting and still rejecting him. In this, in this Iconium, this city of Iconium, they're rejecting him. And, and God highlights they had made a choice not to believe. Actually, let's break this down for a, a moment unbelieving is the idea of to make that choice, to disbelieve, not to trust or rely on something. It's a choice. It's a choice. You really need to get a hold of that. It's a, it's a choice that people are making today. They hear the message of the gospel. They make a choice whether to believe or not to believe. It is of man's own free will that they choose to, to believe. Now, the, the important thing is God's not going to force any of us. He is a perfect gentleman. He presents us with Jesus Christ. The grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to how many men? All men. But all men have the opportunity to say yes or no by faith. And so here it is. Their their unbelief was disbelief. They had chosen to remain in a fixed state. They had willfully uh, rooted and planted themselves in this unbelief, this disbelief. Uh, Later on in the book of 1 Peter, this word is translated as disobedience. That's not the overarching uh, idea here in this passage, but the idea is that you've you've been told the gospel. God says, today is the day of salvation, and how they responded is, I will not obey the voice of God. That's a scary place to be. That is a scary place to be. And friends, how I encourage you not to continue on in unbelief or disbelief as they did, but to believe. And by the way, for believers, uh, though though you don't have to keep on rebelieving for salvation, I, I, you you're, you're settled in your salvation. Do understand this? Multiple times we come up to what God's word says, and we can choose to believe it or to go forward in disbelief. And sometimes believers live out their Christian life in disbelief at the power and of of the goodness and of the the grace of God that he offers to us and all the things that he says, I'll change you into my my likeness, I'll sanctify you, I'll change you, and we go forward in disbelief. No, I got to do it on my own. You see how we can allow that old thinking to come right back into our Christian living? And the important thing is, is here was a group of people that were disbelieving, and they stirred up something. Notice in verse number two, the resentment of the disbelieving, it says they stirred up the Gentiles. They stirred up the Gentiles. By the way, Satan has used racial tension for years upon years to accomplish his purposes. Do you see that? We're going to see it a little bit more as we go through this passage. But it's exactly what happens even in our day. They use racial tension to stir up problems and to keep people distracted and keep the um, the culture uh, agitated at one another. God says, no, there's no difference. I love you all. I died for you all. And Satan comes in and he stirs it up. So he stirs up, they stir up, the Jews stir up the Gentiles against them and made their minds evil affected against them. The idea was there was an incitement. That's exactly what the word stirred up means, an incitement. They incited this, they, they went around, they spread things, they spread things through the news, or however they circulated in that day, uh, the Iconium Post, whatever it was, as people uh, uh, got up and drank their, well, I don't think coffee was around at that point, but as they read that day, there, there was an incitement that was going on, a provoking, there was a decision by these Jewish uh, disbelievers to incite the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. They made their minds evil affected. It's the idea to embitter the mind. To cause the mind to come to resentment. And so that's exactly what was going on. In fact, this is the only time mentioned here in the New Testament, this word to, uh, to, to incite to, uh, to bitterness or to resentment. And so this resentment was instigated by the disbelieving Jews. Now, normally the Jews and the Gentiles were fierce enemies. What did the Jews call, what did the, Jews call the Gentiles? Do you Remember? The uncircumcised, what, heathens, dogs, right? Yeah. So they, I mean, they had no problem calling them names, uh, racial slur, no problem. That's how they. That's how they. Um, they went about it. They. They had no issue with that. And so they're stirring them up. But notice what happens here. Satan is so clever. Do you realize that when when God is the enemy, the uh, the enemy of truth, the enemy of Jesus Christ, does not care who its ally is. And they'll gather any, any allies. No matter if they're former enemies, they'll gather any allies against Christ. And that's exactly what was going on in this city. The Jewish people who typically had no time for the Gentiles were gathering together allies against the Lord Jesus Christ and his message. So how did they respond? How did the believers here respond to the resentment that was growing in the city against them and against the Lord Jesus Christ? Notice the commitment of the preachers as well as the commitment of the rest of the believers. It says there in verse um, uh, 3, read the first two words with me. Long time. Again, long time. Okay, so if there's opposition, this is the last thing that you expect to read in the next verse, humanly speaking. But long time, therefore, as a result of the problems that are going on in the city, the resentment that is growing, they stayed there a long time, possibly six months and the resentment did not cause Paul and Barnabas to lose their focus. They didn't lose focus on what their purpose was in the city. They stayed on and they continued to speak boldly in the Lord. And the idea of boldly here is not, hey, I'm right. You guys just listen up. You're all being dumb. You're not, you're not getting the message, so listen up to me. And, and it's not in a brash boldness. You know what the idea of boldness is here? It's the idea that they spoke with freedom holding nothing back. Holding nothing back. They spoke with freedom. Really what I want you to catch a hold of in this, this idea is they had liberty to preach the word of God. When they got up to preach and, and, and were in different uh, circumstances, they were not conscious of the fact, you know, this is going to cost me. They just preached without any bondage, without any without restraint. It was just that the Lord gave them complete freedom to speak the word of God without fear. It has nothing to do with a commanding eloquence. They spake so boldly and it was just like everyone wanted to stand around and listen to these guys who are boldly. No, 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 no. They spoke with freedom, holding nothing back. They were straightforward. They did not water it down. They spoke with freedom. And by the way, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 and verse 15 that we're to speak the truth in what? So this is not, as the Holy Spirit is putting a stamp of approval on this, this is not the idea that they were angry and that they were telling them off They were speaking boldly with love, the love of God. You know Jesus, every time he spoke his word and preached the gospel, he spoke it with love. Think about the woman caught in adultery, how he says, where where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse thee. And he deals with her in her sin and loves her to Jesus Christ. Think about the woman at the well. Think about the, the tax collector. Uh, think about Zacchaeus and all the love that Jesus showed to them as he communicated his words straightforwardly. He didn't pull punches. And it's exactly what was going on here. They're speaking straightforwardly. And we need to ask God to give us the ability to straightforwardly speak the word of God in our day to the people around us who are still trapped in darkness. Would you not agree with me? And stop thinking, oh, am I saying this right? What will they think of me? What will others think of me? Will they push me out of their life? Will I end the relationship? Stop. We need to ask the Lord for the ability to speak with boldness. Now notice this boldness was in the Lord. In the Lord. So sometimes we go out in boldness in ourselves. And it doesn't work out. Typically we make big messes that way. Would you agree with me? Uh, we make huge messes. We, we don't listen to the Holy Spirit and we speak with boldness in ourselves. And the fact is, this boldness was on the basis of the Lord. The Lord was the reason they had courage and, uh, and freedom in their speaking. That was the reason. God, would you right now, would you give to our church that boldness this week as we're around the lost to speak your name with freedom and liberty? And I, I want that for us. I want that for myself. Not thinking, not being self-conscious, just the boldness. Sometimes preachers talk about having liberty to preach. Oftentimes what we mean by that is there just wasn't, there wasn't a self-consciousness. It was just that the Lord gave utterance. And that's exactly what Paul said to the Ephesians after he shows up the armor of God. And verse 18 says, praying always with all prayer and supplications, letting your requests be made known unto God and for me, and for me. And he puts a personal prayer request. As the preacher, he says this, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And he is saying to those Ephesian believers, I need you to pray for me that God will give me liberty in my preaching so that as I preach to those that are lost in darkness, that they would come to the Lord Jesus Christ, not because of the words I said, but because God gave me liberty to proclaim his word. And so they preached in the Lord and their ongoing commitment to him to stay faithful through the persecution and stay faithful through the resentment. The Lord delivered them and gave them boldness and freedom in their speaking. So the disbelieving, those that were against this message, uh, what happens as they hear all this going on? Uh, how did the Lord specifically give them boldness in the face of these disbelieving people, these people that are lost in darkness? Notice verse number three. The Lord which gave, unto the, uh, uh, gave testimony unto the word of his grace. Now, it did not say that Paul and Barnabas gave testimony unto the word of his grace. The Lord which gave testimony unto the word of his grace. This is important to grab a hold of in this verse. Because what's happening here is as they're standing up and allowing God to fill them with the Spirit and give power to His Word, God says, all right, I want to tell you, I'm going to affirm every word you're saying right now. And I'm going to make sure that this audience that's listening to you knows this is truth from me. Not truth from Paul, not Paul's opinion, but truth from me. And so what He does, He specifically grants them the power to uh, do signs and wonders by their hands. And this is important, and I want you to grab a hold, because some folks will, go, oh, signs and wonders, yippee, if I can do that, boy, everyone will come to the Lord, and I, you know, where do I sign up for the ability to do signs and wonders? I've had people come in here, and say, I have the ability to do signs and wonders and do miracles. Listen, I want you to realize every time it's mentioned in the Bible that it is God that is granting that. This is, this is extremely important, Friends. Now, sometimes we, we say, all right, this is, this is only something that happens in the book of Acts. I'll tell you, sometimes we put God in a box to our own shame and to our own hurt. God is still working. We just How many of you are reading with us right now uh, on the YouVersion app right now, or you're reading through the book of Acts in Corinthians, all right? All right. So, as we came through this morning, we finished the book of Acts, and did you see how the last verse in chapter 28 finished? Paul is in prison, preaching the gospel without restraint. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom to as many people as he wants to. And the book just ends. It's like, what's what's next? And you know what's next? You're next. You're next. You're the continuation of the book of Acts. Acts. And the fact of the matter is, some people get focused on tongues and all those things. There, there is a, a sense where, where on the, that some of those sign gifts were laid aside, or they're not a, as prevalent. But the fact of the matter is, and by the way, the whole thing of tongues is just immensely confused today. Literal languages. You know, if we have someone come in here and speak in Spanish, we'll need to interpret that. Because you can't understand Spanish. Maybe some of you can, but you can't understand Spanish. The fact is, it's immensely confused today. But what I want us to get a hold of right now, as signs and wonders were being done, at the authority of the Lord, he wanted his word to be affirmed in their minds. You say, "Uh, Pastor, have you seen any of that happen today? Uh, Not personally, I've heard stories. I've seen God verify his word. Now, listen to this. Uh, Do you remember the name Daryl Champlin? Do some of you remember us having him here years ago? Daryl Champlin uh, was a missionary in the Congo in, a, and in Suriname, South America. But he wrote, um, uh, his wife wrote this book, uh, With the Lord, uh, I can't see the, Venturing with God in the Congo. I have it in my office. Venturing with God in the Congo. I remember hearing this man as a little boy. And he told the story, and it's a message entitled, Love with Shoes On. And it's a story of him uh, being in a village where there was an uh, incredible darkness. The witch doctor had called together a, 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 a party, for lack of better terms, I, I don't know what they would have called it, but they, they called this, this gathering together. He was there, and the witch doctor is doing all, all of his things, and uh, I'm going to summarize the story greatly, but uh, you'll have to go listen to the sermon, Love with Shoes On by Daryl Champlin. Search that on the internet. And so they're, they're gathered together, and they are in, this, in this, uh, this gathering of mostly unsaved people. And the witch doctor, at some point along the line in, in, this, in this gathering, they had a, a fire of hot coals, and he dances across the fire of hot coals, unscathed. It was just a, a part of how Satan uh, verified his power in front of those people and kept those people uh, sh- uh, shackled in darkness. But he, he, he asked Daryl Champlin, if your God's real you go across the, the coals. Now, what would you do? That moment, we'd be throwing up a Nehemiah prayer, right? Oh, Lord, I need you right now. Is this something I should do? I don't want to test God, but is this something I should do? He took off his shoes, and he walked across the, that, under the fire of hot coals, the bed of hot coals. There's a real man. We've had him preach on this platform. And in the incredible darkness, God showed himself strong. Now, what the, the village people were interested in is what was going to happen the next morning. They were at his door at, at, at sunrise and asking the missionary, let's see your feet. No blisters. No damage. That's something, you don't, you don't just go out and say, you know, I'm going to build a fire of hot coals here and I'm going to walk across. it. You don't do that. That's something only God does. And God gives the boldness by the Holy Spirit to accomplish that. You say, God doesn't do signs and wonders today. Friends, Listen. God is interested in verifying that this is true. And I don't want to get way off here, but I want us to realize we cannot put me putting God inside of a box. Another story I was touched with when I was over in India is P. D. charian Dr. P. D. charian when uh, he was uh, uh, working and putting together the college and the church over there, the, the property that was very snake-infested. They had no water there. It was a desert. And he began to pray, God, we need water here. And they brought out the well digger, and he began to dig, and they dug, and they dug, and they dug, and, he, and this expert well digger says, hey, there is no water here. Soon enough, it got, the news got out in the town, hey, Pete Jerry's trying to get water here. And so they began to gather around. He's there, and the, the well digger saying, there is no water here. And they've already done, uh, dug some 300, uh, getting close to 400 feet, if I remember uh, correctly. And the, he says, there's no water here. And he says, keep digging. And you'd have to meet, them. I can't wait to have him in our church. And You'd have to meet him, keep digging, keep digging. And uh, the Hindus began to say, your God is just like our God. It's on, it's on when that, that's, um, that's said. And you know what, they got down on their knees with a group of believers and prayed through the night. The next morning the well digger comes out and he says, keep digging. They went another little bit and they tapped into an underground lake that has been feeding that college and that church um, property for years, it looks like the Garden of Eden because of that well. And that well is a testimony to the power of God to prove that he is true. And it's exactly what happened in this city. God didn't tell us what signs and wonders they did. Did you notice that? He He just says, I came through and I affirmed my word in this incredibly dark place before the Jews and the Gentiles, I affirmed my word. God is still affirming his word today. You know, when when we pray and things happen, God answers prayers, God affirms his word in front of the lost eyes. Oh, that God would continue to make his word very, very, uh, uh, stick to the hearts of the lost around us. And I just want us to realize Hebrews 2 and verse number 4, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers' miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Our job is to speak the word of God with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's not about you and your, your gifts and your talents. It's about allowing him to fill you, allowing him to dominate you. Oh, that the Lord would enable us in that way. Leave the verifying up to him. And so, they went into the darkness. They faced the anger of the disbelieving. They're coming out against him. They're stirring up. The resentment is growing. Do you get the picture here? The resentment is growing. As they would read in the newspapers, those... Christians, those believers, and they would be tagging on descriptors of them, and they're the problem in our city. You see all the division that's going on? They're the problem. You see what's going on here? They're the problem, and they're stirring it up. They're bringing resentment against them, but notice what the apostles do. They continue to declare... They continue to declare in the midst of this spiritual battle that was so very intense. Look at verse number uh, uh, 4. But the multitude of the city was divided, part held with the Jews, part with the apostles. There was no small assault uh, made against them. There is this, this ongoing message of the gospel in the middle of this spiritual darkness that was intense. So intense that the city was completely divided. We think we live in a divided country today. And we do. Satan... One of his greatest tools is division. Do you agree with that? Believers, let's get, our, let's get our focus right. Let's get our perspective right. Remember, the Bible should feed your perspective on culture. Too many believers try to live segregated lives. In other words, I have my life and focus in the Bible, and then culture is a totally different thing. No, 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 to you, you need to take this... As Patch the Pirate says, put on your Bible glasses. You need to look at culture through the perspective of God and through his word. And as we look at culture today, there's division all around. Just like there was division in Iconium, who's the master of division? Satan is. And this is exactly what he's doing. The whole city was divided, part held with the Jews. Jews and part held with the apostles, you say, how can anything happen in this day? Well, you can, you can be guaranteed. The central issue was the preaching of the gospel in that city. It was the message of God's word in that city. There wasn't any other issue. It was the truth of God. That was a central issue in that city. And everyone was divided on either side of that issue. Isn't that a great thing? When God so grips a city that everything focuses on him, and whether they receive or reject it, there was division. The word divided here is the idea of torn apart. It wasn't a nice thing. This was a difficult thing. And, uh, you know, as we think about ourselves in this, in this day, uh, what side are you on? And are you willing for those around you in your neighborhood and your family to know that you're on the side of God's truth no matter what? Would you be tempted to have crossed, crossed over and you know it's easier to be on the, the Jews' side? These apostles, they're, they're, they're being too bold. They're speaking too freely. They just need to tone this down. They need to keep it inside the church house. They don't, they don't need to be stirring up all these problems in the city. Satan loves to get us to think that the problem is God's word. The problem is not God's word. The problem is those that reject God's word and refuse to believe it. They live in disbelief and they continue on and they fight against God's word. I want to be firmly, firmly positioned on the side of God's word and on his truth. Are you with me on that? Firmly positioned. And who cares who knows that? God's truth must be stood with. Joshua asked the Israelites, who is on the Lord's side? Who's on the Lord's side? Let's remind ourselves and recommit to being rooted on the Lord's side. The, the world's going to try to toss you off and say, you know, don't, don't, don't side with those that, that stand with the truth. Don't side uh, to, uh, with those that, that are declaring it so, uh, so boldly. Don't side with them. Just kind of keep a quiet, low profile, and it'll keep a peaceful life. No, side with God's truth. Side with the gospel, and what happens as this uh, the uh, city was divided? There was an ambush that was being planned against them, and ultimately, how they could stone them. Isn't interesting. All they were doing is standing up and preaching God's word, and they wanted to kill them. This still happens in our world today. All they were doing is being preachers of the gospel and they were planning this ambush, how they could say the worst things about them, use them despitefully, say something offensive against them, slanders against them and stone them. Satan never seeks peace. He never seeks peace, but he causes division, confusion, and ultimately the ridding of all that oppose him. That's when Satan will be happy. It's not when you just say, you know what? Uh, I, 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 I realize the fact that you have chosen a different way no, Satan wants you to be gone and your voice to be gone. He wants to annihilate God's truth. And mark it down, that still happens in our day. Satan will not be satisfied until truth is absolutely ushered out of the public square and those that hold to it are ushered out. Preferably, in his mind, in caskets. I mean, we're, we're, we're serious. We have an enemy of our souls. Are, are, are you not with me? We have an enemy of our souls. They, he hates your belief in god you stand you stand for everything he stands against by siding with jesus christ at the cross you have made yourself an enemy of satan and you're on you're on the good side because god is the enemy of satan and vice versa you're on the right side and and he will ultimately win and satan will have his eternity in the lake of fire praise the lord So there was incredible darkness. Incredible. Cities divided. How can God pull this one out? I want you to think about this last thought. Look at verse 6. They were aware of it and fled. I want you to notice that God's word cannot be canceled. God's word cannot be canceled. You have the word of God coming in the city. Many are believing. There's opposition against that persecution. There's a threat of stoning and all these things. And you would think, boy... You know, this was a huge loss. Right now, the... Paul and Barnabas are running out of this city to another another city because there's this huge uproar that has happened. What a big loss. No, God's word's not being canceled here. Notice here what it it says. They fled for refuge is the idea of the word flee. It was a prudent move. It wasn't a, a cowardly move because Jesus even said in Matthew 10 and verse 23, but when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. And so I believe that the Holy Spirit gives his missionaries, his messengers, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to say, when to stay and when to go. And again, it, it behooves us to make sure that we're listening to the Holy Spirit of God. Then we're in tune with him. Sometimes he wants us to stay through and go through the battle. And it might even cost us a persecution or even that martyrdom. But the fact is, he's the one that says when to go and when to stay. And that's exactly what happened here. So, was the word of God defeated in Iconium? The preachers are on their way out of town. They fled, they're looking for refuge, and the fact is, it was not defeated. God's word was actually very victorious. Did we, do you remember from last week? We, we can see that the gospel works when it is rejected and when it is received. And so it was rejected by half the city, and it was received by half of the city. Now that's really great. If we had half of Kettering received the Lord Jesus Christ, some 22,000 people would come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? Now, half the city came to Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. Uh, Linsky says it this way, the missionaries did not flee because they were defeated. They merely left one victory behind in order to start winning another victory. So we go from town to town to town and God's word drops like an atomic bomb in that town and it just changes lives. And there are some that reject it. Nope, not for me. And they stay in their disbelief. Half the city was on the right side, according to verse number four. The whole city had heard the gospel and had a chance to receive or reject it. The whole city. Remember what it said. The the central issue in that city in that day was the truth of the gospel. And it was causing people to divide on both sides. The whole city had heard it. Praise the Lord for that. That is a work of God. That's a victorious thing. And Jesus would continue to build his church. Now what would Barnabas do? By the way, how do you squelch half the city? I mean, you talk about one-on-one evangelism. There was one person for every uh, one unbeliever, disbeliever. You don't squelch that. You don't cancel that. God's word is alive in their hearts. They're able to go to work and meet another disbeliever and share God's word with it. It was so amazing what was going on there. And so now Paul and Barnabas are in the next city. Why don't you take a vacation? Why don't you guys take a cruise? It's been a long, persecuted journey. Now look at verse number six. The end of it, they went to Lystra, Derbe, the cities of uh, uh, Laconia into the region that lieth round about. You say, wow, that's a lot of cities. Yeah, it was. Eighteen miles away down to Derby, about 90 miles over uh, to, uh, to Lystra, and then that whole area of Lyconia. In other words, what God's saying, listen, the gospel just keeps on spreading. It keeps on spreading. I uh, failed to get uh, Lystra. No, I got Lystra on there. Lystra and Derby. Okay, there they are. They're there. But they, uh, you see that the 18 miles down to Lystra, about 45 miles over to Derby. I mean, they're, they're, they're moving. And then into that whole area, you see. And so the gospel is not bound right now. It's, it's advancing in amazing, amazing ways. They would have traveled, uh, traveled on the Imperial Roman Highway. We often say that when Jesus Christ came, he came at the exact right time when language was at its zenith and when the, the, the infrastructure, the road system was at its height. Right now, in this story, we see how even the Roman highway paved the way for the speedy and effective publishing of the gospel throughout that region. Isn't that great? So God is concerned with where infrastructure is. Do you think that when the world is at its height in population, that God is not interested in the fact that he can publish the word of God around the world through, through the internet and through devices and through digital means? I mean... In minutes, we can talk to people that are on the other side of the world. We can get on planes and fly to the other side of the world within hours. God is using even infrastructure to publish his word. It's not bound. It's not being canceled. It's not being stopped just because there was a, uh, some disbelievers. It's going forward, and it's going forward into Lystra, and also into Derby, and all of Lyconia. And what's amazing, this I want you to get. As they went there, what did they do? Preach. They preached. They declared with their mouths. They opened up their mouths and um, preached. The idea of this verb is that it is a continual preaching. So they preached, and they preached, and they preached, and they preached, and they preached. Listen, they just kept on doing it. That's what you and I need to do. We need to keep on preaching and declaring the word with every ounce of strength that we have, every opportunity that we have. But one of the most amazing things about this was this shift from over in Iconium down to Lystra and Derbe, this is the first cities that Paul and Barnabas are coming to where there was not a synagogue. And so now the gospel is going to fully pagan cities. I don't know about you, that excites me. Now, the Jewish nation as a whole had rejected, there were some Jews that believed, remember up in Antioch of city. He says, we're going to the Gentiles and God gave them authority on that one. And he sends them down to Lystra and to Derby where it is just a pagan harvest field of unbelieving souls that needed to hear the a message of the gospel. And we're going to see how, what happens down there and they're going to have a rocky ride down there. Literally, Paul's going to have a rocky ride down there. All right, are you with me? Read ahead. Find out if you can you can correlate that together. But the fact is God is sending his word. There is no, there is no canceling of God's word. None at all. And you know what? In the second missionary journey down in Lystra, do you know where? where Paul picks up this young man, this young son in the faith, Timothy, who began, uh, became the preacher, the pastor later on in the city of Ephesus, right there in Lystra. Do you think that God began to uh, stir the soil in his family's life and began to work in his family a little bit in this first missionary journey that was going to be difficult and began to work to bring Timothy along? God was just expanding his word. We can trust God to do that. We need to trust him to do that today. Timothy was told by Paul in 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 9, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer even under bonds, the word of God is not bound. It's not bound. Friends, don't get worried. Don't get worried. In our country, as as things grow dark and and are dark, remember, if we keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ, the opportunities are brighter now than they ever have been. Because we are getting to the point where God's word, the truth of God's word, is going to cause a divide. And people are going to have to, have, they have the opportunity to make a clear choice whether to reject it or whether to accept it. We are in exciting days for the growth of the church. I'm not just talking about exciting days, we're going to build buildings and have bigger audiences. No, we're exciting days for more people coming into the kingdom of God. And it's going to be a wonderful thing. I believe that God is working in our day in incredible ways. Uh, We live in a day of, of, of division. But God's word is not canceled. And I want us to think about this. It was the tension of the division within the city of Iconium that actually caused the word of God to spread further. And what happens with us sometimes is we see the tension and immediately we back up. We can't cause that. No, it was Being committed through the tension and through the division and staying faithful to God's word that caused the word of God to spread further as a result of the the tension of division within that city. And so I encourage you and admonish you and and urge you by the word of the Lord to continue to be faithful. Don't give up. If you find yourself beaten down because everything you, you see and you read about is bad news, Don't give up. Keep your eyes on the Lord. In the middle of the spiritual battle, where did Paul and Barnabas stay focused? On doing the purposes of the Lord. And that's exactly what we need to do. Remain committed in the spiritual battle. Allow Jesus to embolden you to speak the word of God. He's the one that gives us boldness. Remember, they spake boldly in the Lord. Side with God. Side with his word. Boldly. We talk a lot of times how, oh, everything we see is so dark around uh, around us and, and, and everyone's saying things that are against God. Listen, listen. In your public life, physically, digitally, how long does a person have to be around you to find out which side you're on? Are there people who would be, oh, they're a Christian? Or in your life, is it... Yeah, <laughs> they're a Christian. Everyone around them knows that. It's time for Christians to take a stand and be on the side of truth. We cannot expect this world to come to Jesus Christ if we're hiding which side we're on. And that starts in your neighborhood. That starts, that starts in your family. That starts at your workplace. And you know... Sometimes as a preacher, I I feel like we we hit the same drum. We beat the same we beat the same rhythm. But the fact is, we are here as ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is our purpose. The reason we gather together is to encourage one another to grow in our faith, to be inspired in our faith, to do what? To go out and preach the gospel. Jesus preached the same message over and over and over, all the way to the cross and beyond the cross. And before he left, he says, You're my witnesses. You continue on. That's that's the purpose. That's all you're here for. May God help us not to do anything else but to focus on our our relationship with the Lord, side with God, His Word, with the preachers of God's Word, with those that stand for truth. Stand with them boldly. Don't let the opposition stop you. God's Word can't be canceled. We're on the right side, friends. The book that you read tomorrow morning, the devotions that you read um, from this book... It's not going to be canceled. It's not going to go wrong. It, it, it won't be obliterated. God's word will stand. And it did in that, in that city. And it continued in that whole region. I want to be a part of that in our day. Don't you? Would you not pray? God, let us see that. Let us see the acts alive and well in our day where your word is penetrating the darkness. Where we see it triumphing. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you pray that with me this morning? Why don't we bow and ask the Lord to do that? I don't know what needs you have as, you, as, you, as we would have some time for prayer, what, what needs. Maybe, maybe you are discouraged and it has to do with a physical or emotional, or maybe just events in your life this week. Can I, can I encourage you, the same word that has power to bring you to salvation is the same word that has power to, to help you to know that the grace of God is sufficient for your every need. That's not just something that Christians say, that's something God promised us. Whatever you're going through, God's word has the power to enable you, to give you grace to go through that. But in all things, we can be confident in this. God's word cannot be canceled. Would you pray right now in your seat there? Lord, I want to be able to experience, not for my own sake, but for your glory. I want to be able to experience. Don't let me die until I've experienced a move of God in, in my life and, and around me, like I see here in the, written in the book of Acts, would you stop as a believer? I'm specifically talking to you that have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Would you stop disbelieving that God has that God is all powerful and His Word is all powerful? It's a dynamite. It's the power of God into salvation. Say, so I, Pastor, I've not seen a, a soul come to the Savior through my witness. Would you not pray that God would? give you that soul this year that you'd be able to see God's word change a soul this year pastor I've I've not been bold in where I'm citing there are some people that don't know I'm a believer that aren't seen it in my life would you pray for me that God give me the strength to stand boldly on the right side on the side of Jesus Christ and the side of his word I haven't been doing that very very well and the Lord's convicted me about that is there anyone here that would say with an uplifted hand that's my testimony this morning I've not been standing right there are some people around me that need to know amen amen is there anyone here this morning that would say pastor I don't know for certain that I'm saved I've been disbelieving I've been disbelieving, and I I need to get that taken care of. Today, I want to I'll take care of that. You say, Pastor, no one looking around, but with an uplifted hand, I want to be saved today. is anyone like that here? I want to be saved today. Amen. Amen. Lord, you see the hearts here this morning. And you know what's going on in our lives. You know even the discouragement that comes. And I pray right now that you would lift that by the power of your word. But you would also give us real purpose in our lives. Sometimes discouragement comes in our lives because we've lost focus of what's really going on. Lord, I pray that you would refocus us. Challenge us with this truth. Your word cannot be canceled. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.